Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that as we do, open your word, that you would open our hearts and you would, Lord, cause that we might know your words because of your spirit that is poured out to us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, okay, here we go. When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee, now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant, you thought, evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which you swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. And they bombed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Okay, so, so far we've seen here when Jacob died that the brothers of Joseph, they were convinced that Joseph's gonna take vengeance on him. And they just thought to themselves, okay, we're in for it now. There's many aspects of looking at that, but one of them, when you look at that, it's just very sad because we could see in this response of Joseph's brothers, or among other things, just how much the brothers lost in their relationship with Joseph. I mean, verse 15 is so telling because it shows what Joseph's brothers thought about Joseph when they said, when Joseph's brethren saw their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and requite us certainly of all the evil which we did unto him. It just reveals they thought Joseph hated them. And so it's been a long time since the reconciliation. It's been over 10 years. And all during this time, in the back of their minds, they're thinking, Joseph really hates us. When you think about that, How good a relationship could a person have with someone he thinks really hates him and is just looking for the opportunity to get even? I mean, are you really going to enjoy times together of being with that person? Or are you just going to try to avoid that person and never turn your back on that person? That's what we're dealing with here. What these years represented for the brothers was the last opportunity. 
It was the last years of opportunity that the brothers had just to get to know and appreciate the brother they really didn't know. I mean, the Egyptians, they had come to know and to love Joseph, and, and, and the Egyptians were, were very appreciative to Joseph. They said to Joseph, you remember in, in Genesis 47, 25, they said, thou hast, this is the Egyptians speaking to Joseph, and they said, thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in thy sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. So the Egyptians, they loved the time that they had with Joseph. But as for the brothers who thought that Joseph hated them, they just tried to avoid him. They thought, the less we see of Joseph, the more safe we are. So you can imagine in those times when Joseph and his brothers would be together, all the stiffness and the awkwardness of the times whenever Joseph would come visit his brothers. And, and, and this is just so sad because we, we can see they lost their golden opportunity. It, it sort of looks like the relationship of the brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Jewish people. And you think about this versus the relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ with Gentile believers. And so, you know, you look at this with Joseph and his brothers and the question is, why? Why did, why did the brothers push Joseph back from getting close to them? And the reason is because they could not bring themselves to believe that Joseph really loved them. They could not really come to the point where they really accepted Joseph did forgive them wholeheartedly. And a person will never believe in God's love and forgiveness until that person becomes loving and forgiving to other people. That's what the Lord Jesus was showing in Luke eleven four when he taught us to pray, and he said, he said that we should pray like this, Luke eleven four, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. So this simple statement that the Lord made is showing us how we should be forgiven by God. The first step to being forgiven by God is to believe that God forgives. And the prayer of forgiveness is really a prayer of faith, where a person has faith or believes that God forgives. And this all has to do with who a person believes God is. Because in Hebrews eleven six, Hebrews eleven six is touching this point when it says, Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I mean, this was the whole problem that the Lord was bringing out with this servant that had his talent in Luke 19.21. In Luke 19.21, the servant speaks, and he says, I feared thee. Sounds familiar? Like the brothers? I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up where thou not, layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And so then there's a response of the master, and he saith unto him, out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. So the way to believe that God really is a forgiving person is to become a forgiving person. It's like the person is saying to God, I know you can forgive me just like I'm forgiving others. And this was the problem, this was the root of the problem with Joseph's brothers. They had no room in their heart for a full forgiveness. They never fully forgave Joseph. They never fully forgave their younger brother 
that told them about dreams that, that he had had and how they were going to bow down to him. And so since the, the brothers never forgave Joseph, they believed that Joseph could never forgive them for selling him as a slave into Egypt. And because of their failure to believe in Joseph's love and forgiveness, the brothers went on and on and on for over 10 years in that cold, distant relationship with Joseph. And it was all, didn't have to be, and it was a tragedy that it was. Because the brothers lost all the time when they could have had a warm, loving relationship with their brother. And people today lose all the time in their lifetime because they're suspicious of God. And, and God says to them, I'm not like you. He says to them in, in Psalm 50, verse 21, Psalm 50, verse 21, these things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. Now, you could plug those words in for Joseph. He said, these things you've done, I didn't say anything about it because you thought that I was just like you. So when Joseph knew that after such a long time that his brothers were suspicious of him, his response to them in verse 17 is, Joseph wept when they spake unto him. That was his answer. His answer was tears. And they spoke to Joseph after Joseph cried in verse 18, and verse 18, and they said, we be thy servants that's so sad. Isn't that sad? We be thy servants. You know, whatever happened to we be thy brothers? What is this we be thy servants? I mean, for over 10 years, they had this continual cycle going on where Joseph is trying to get close to his brothers. And the more he approaches them with open arms like this, all Joseph feels is this hand in his chest pushing him back. And this goes on for over 10 years. He's come to them like that. And he started off the relationship or the re-relationship uh, after reconciliation in Genesis 45.4. In Genesis 45.4 where it says, Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother. And this was Joseph. He never changed. For over 10 years, he's been saying to them these words in Genesis 45.4, 45.4, come near to me, I pray you. I am Joseph, your brother. And since that time, for over 10 years, Joseph has been saying to his brothers, come near to me, I am Joseph, your brother. And now we see in this last chapter of Genesis that the response of his brothers has been totally the opposite. Joseph is saying, come near to me, I am your brother. And the response of his brothers is this, stay far from us, we be thy servants. And so Joseph cries. It's very sad. He, uh, I mean, he can't control how his brothers feel toward him. All he can do is just have a total broken heart that it's had to be this way. And from this history, we read a message to us. As we see God saying to us, the most important command in, in the Shema, in Deuteronomy 6, 5, 6, 5, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. You know what that's really saying? Don't put your hand in God's chest. He's coming to you. Let him hug you. Hug him back. And this is what he's complaining. God is complaining about in Revelation 2.4. Revelation 2.4, where he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You know, you're like Joseph's brothers, God is saying. You just want to serve me. 
And you serve me perfectly, but you don't love me. You don't love me anymore. So the brothers are just untouched by the years of Joseph loving them and nourishing them, and they failed to really understand. They just they could not bring themselves to understand that our brother that we sold into slavery, he wants to love us. Our brother that, that we sold into slavery, he wants love from us, not subjection. Joseph wants our heart, not our service. And that's exactly what God wants Exactly what God wants when he says in Proverbs 23, 26, Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. God wants our hearts. After he has our hearts, then he'll have submission from us. And that's what's so wonderful about Joseph's response to his brothers. It's wonderful what he did say. It's also wonderful what he did not say. You know, Joseph did not come to his brothers and say, how could you be so hard-hearted towards me? How could you push me back all these years after all I've done for you and I've been trying to love you and I've been trying to care for you? How could you think that I'm just, you know, this type of person? He didn't say that. He didn't say any of that. He probably thought it, but he didn't say it. He probably wanted to say it, but he didn't say it. And that's really wonderful about Joseph because Joseph here shows no anger to his brothers. As a matter of fact, what you see here Joseph doing is he has this tremendous uh, way about him where he saw beyond the offense of his brothers who were turning the cold shoulder to him. And instead, he just continued down that road that he started off and he says in verse 21, verse 21, now therefore fear you not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. This is the great part about Joseph. This is the heart of Joseph. This is the person that Joseph is. Joseph is, if you wanted to say very simply, Joseph is a person who looked beyond to see God. And and looked beyond his brothers who hated him. And he saw the loving hand of God. He looked beyond Potiphar's wife, who was terrible to him. And he saw the hand of God. So if there's one lesson that we can get out of Joseph, it is how beautiful it is and this is what we see in his life, how beautiful Joseph's life is when he looks beyond the offense and the hurt that happened to him to see God's hand. And if you want to choose one verse to sum up the history of this person, Joseph, it really says, what is, who is Joseph? It's verse 20. It's verse 20. As for you, you thought evil against me, but God bent it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. It was not that Joseph couldn't see the evil that was against him. It was not that there was plenty of evil that was against Joseph. As a matter of fact, when Jacob was dying and he gives his last blessing on Joseph, that's what he talked about in Genesis 49.23. 49.23, when Jacob said, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. There's a lot of evil there. A lot of evil that Jacob was talking about when he studied the archers sorely grieved him and shot at him, hated him. It was just like a continual attacks, continual grieving him and shooting at him and hating him. And Joseph was aware of that. He was very well aware of all the evil that was against him. He said, you thought evil against me. He knew that. But he saw, he saw the hatred of the brothers. It's what he saw beyond his brothers when he said, but... God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. 
That's Joseph looking beyond the evil to see the good hand of God. And that's how Joseph is showing us today how to be kept from bitterness in life. It's by looking beyond the evil and the hurt to see the good hand of God. Now, we're here, and this is a wonderful way to close out a final chapter in Joseph's life, but this is the final chapter of Joseph's life that's finishing up here. I mean, you kind of look back now over Joseph's life, and you see this is a pretty rough life. I mean, you know, it was not an ideal life, you know. And, I mean, Joseph was born into a world of trouble. I mean, no one should ever wish that someone should be born into the family that Joseph was born into, in Jacob's family. I mean, he was born into a family of hatred and jealousy. I mean, four wives for his father. I mean, that alone. That's like, it's like being born into an amplified Middle East conflict, you know. He's born into a family with the conflict of idolatry in the family, where his own mother was the one who introduced this idolatry into the family when she stole her father Laban's idols. He's born into a family of lying, where his own mother lies to her father about stealing the idols. I mean, Joseph is experience, he experiences the death of his mother, and so opposite the way he is, her dying words are a vitriolic naming of his younger brother, which she calls Benone, which means the son of my sorrow, only to have his father Jacob step in and overrule Rachel's naming of his brother to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. I'm sure that Benjamin Netanyahu is glad about that. You imagine if his name was son of my sorrow. So he experienced in his family all this envy against him and this jealousy and this hatred, all just because his father made him a coat showing that he was, he was his favorite. He experienced in his family being nearly, his family of seeing his uncle Esau nearly murder him and on that frightful night when he was, he along with all the family there, were put into two groups with the instructions, maybe Esau will choose to slaughter the other group while you can run for your life. That would scar a person for life. You happen to go through that as a childhood. And, and then he experienced in his family the trauma of having his sister Dina raped. And then he experienced in his family murder as his brothers treacherously murder a whole city of Shechem. And then he experiences in his family his own brothers trying to murder him. And all he has to do is remember, I remember seeing the blood drip off of their swords as they grab him and throw him in this pit. And then he experiences the trauma of having his brothers sell him as a slave to Egypt. Apart from that, he had an ideal upbringing. Very rough family. Very rough family for Joseph to be born into. And if anyone, seeing all that that happened, as we have, would have said uh, way back then, you know, there's going to come a chapter 50, verse 23. There's going to come this scene of verse 23 where it says, And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, and the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon his, Joseph's knees. This picture in verse 23 is such a picture of peace and happiness and good fortune. It's just hard to imagine that this is really happening to Joseph because 
Joseph's here is seeing his grandson's grandson's grandson or something like that. Anyway, there's a lot of kids there. And he's enjoying them. And he talks about being, you know, raised on his knees. He's talking about, you know, teaching the little tykes, you know, and his wisdom. They're brought up on his knees, the little children. They're sitting there. He's loving them. He's talking with them. With such a rocky past and such a terrible family, it's just wonderful to see this. Kind of like our lives. Many of us start out life with terrible experiences where we ran to the Lord. We came to the Lord. And then wonderful things happened to us. Because of 2 Corinthians 5.17. For 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Old things are become new. Another way to say that? Old things are old things. And new things are new things. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man, isn't it wonderful? It says, any man, any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Isn't it wonderful that it, 2 Corinthians 5.17 does not say, if any man who grew up in a church be in Christ, he's a new creature. Isn't it great that it doesn't say, if any man was raised in a Christian home, he's a new creature. Because if it said that, then Joseph would have been eliminated. Because until Genesis 32, the great earthquake chapter for Jacob, his father, when he changed and became Israel, we can't say that Jacob was a godly man, or that Jacob raised his family to honor God. So Joseph's life comes in with all the destruction and turmoil like a lion and leaves here like a lamb. Now, so it's a beautiful scene. Beautiful scene in, in verse 24, where just he's together with his brethren, and it just says, Joseph said unto his brethren. I mean, in spite of everything we talked about, you know, the trouble, he's surrounded by his family in this time of death. Family. Family is very important for the Jewish people. It's for some of the Jewish people. My father was divorced five times, so I don't know. I always had an identity crisis. I didn't know which family I was a part of. It doesn't matter. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, 
meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Israel Restoration Ministries is excited to announce a limited-time offer for our Friendship with God Study Bible and Hymnal. This package includes a large-printed genuine lambskin leather Bible featuring over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, maps, timelines, and frequently asked questions. In addition, you'll also receive our Friendship with God hymnal. This hymnal, the first of its kind, contains over 1,000 hymns and melodies, making it the largest collection ever printed. Included with your purchase, you'll also receive a complimentary engraving of your name on either book. For more information, visit us at friendshipwithgod.org or give us a call at 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.